Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Matthews and Pat Andire. And welcome, everyone, to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Matthews. And with me, as always, Mr. Pat Andiron. How are you doing? What's going on, man? Doing great. And we are reviewing Wednesday Dynamite AEW at the Key Bake Center in Buffalo, New York. What did you think about the show? I uh, I don't know. It was 50-50 on it. I, I felt like the entire time they were taking the rumors from what happened over the weekend and we're trying to fight against it and try to keep hopes alive that people weren't going to say, well, this show's gone to hell. Don't worry about what they're saying backstage. I am the locker room leader. So I felt like that there was a lot of that in the promos, and that was basically what the show was about, which I will say that it was it, it was hard to get a handle on what's true and what's false. I am still going to stand by this is all a work because at the end of the day, this is professional wrestling and AEW is the king of working its audience. But at the same time, listening to interviews from Dave Meltzer and other uh, commentators who were at the media scrum and getting their side of it, you know, even Dave Meltzer doesn't know. He said on his latest latest podcast that he doesn't have a clue, that he thinks it's work, but he also could see it being true. So I'm like, when even the great Dave Meltzer can't even tell what's true and what's false, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so the show starts, you know, they show the MJF package. And one of the things that kind of leads me to believe that it might all be true is the fact that all of that kind of took away from the NJF coming back. You know, it, it was, it was a kind of, it wasn't the story of, Oh wow. MJF's triumphant return. It was the story of, Oh, did you hear there may have been a fight between CM Punk and the bucks and, you know, but, uh, so they show that vignette and then Tony Khan announces that the heavyweight and the trio of champ belts have been vacated. Um, which he didn't explain, which yeah, is one did. knock that we've had on AEW is that you just, which, I mean, there's probably legal reasons if this is true. And it's probably both. I mean, I could see Tony saying, hey, this is a shoot and we can work some stuff into it because he likes to do that. And hey, if that's what he likes to do, he's doing a great job of making you feel like what is a work and what is a shoot, because it's probably a little bit of both, like we always say. But explain something. Don't just be like, yeah. we took the titles away because of what happened over this weekend, and the people that don't know what happened over this weekend are going, what? Yeah, what happened? And that's something we've spoken about before, how they AEW really expects a lot out of its audience. It expects you to watch, you know, go on YouTube and watch AEW. Yeah, figure Dark. it out. Yeah, watch a you know all the AEW content online. Being the elite, keep up with separate wrestlers' Twitter pages and their social media. And it's like, guys, show don't tell. All right, like what's going on? Don't expect me to know. Obviously, we know, but you know, if you missed the pay per view and you didn't go search out the results of the pay per view, you probably had no idea that there was even a fight amongst Kenny Omega and the Bucks and um, CM Punk and A Steel. But, uh, you know, from from that scrum, you know, they did find out that uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Brandon Cutler, Christopher Daniel, which was kind of surprising that he got involved with the scrum. Yeah, I was uh, very surprised by that, too. Yeah, Pat Buck and Michael Nakazawa 
were all suspended. Um, and either Punk or Ace Steel are suspended slash maybe fired. They're not really still not. I think they're trying to figure out. That kind of adds me into it's kind of maybe a little bit of both because CM Punk apparently is injured, like severely yeah. injured, and he's got to take time off anyway. And if he's got to take time off anyway, what better way than to wrap it around the fact of the work? See, the thing is, is that with Tony Khan, knowing he likes to do this half thing, what better of a scenario than to say, hey, he's injured, and that's why he's not here. Yeah. And, you know, it's more real. I'm surprised he didn't bring that up because apparently he's going to be out for eight to nine months. He had to go. He injured his elbow during the match with John Moxley. Is that what it was? Because I was wondering what hurt him. Yeah, apparently he'd went for a suicide dive, and he that's when someone noticed he started selling his arm after he did that. And so hmm. right now that's what, you know, you know how the rumors are, but rumor is he had to go have elbow surgery immediately after the show and that he's going to be out, you know, for the foreseeable future, which really puts a damper on MJF. And it, I guess we're going to do the whole interim title thing again, which was lame when they did it the first time with John Moxley, but nonetheless, here we are. So Tony Khan announces a match between Def Triangle versus the best friends with Orange Cassidy. Uh, doesn't explain why they're having a trio <laughs> match again for the title, but Nonetheless, he also announced a Grand Slam tournament for the heavyweight championship featuring Hangman Adam Page and Daniel Bryan with the winner facing Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen with the winner facing John Moxley. Um, I'm not a fan of the, these tournament-style matches they want to do every time there's an interim title available, especially when they have Chris Jericho and John Moxley getting a bye uh, if you remember, John Moxley received a bye the last time there was an interim title match, and we saw how that went. So they might as well have just stuck Chris Jericho and John Moxley in the ring and said, "Hey, you're you're the two biggest names we have right now on the entire card. You two fight it out, and we'll say the winners. You know, the winners, the heavyweight champion, and you'll eventually fight MJF." So. I don't understand. It's every time they do this format, why those guys get a break. But nevertheless, uh, right after that segment, MJF enters the ring to a thunderous applause. He's wearing a Bills jersey. He's hamming it up, talking about Darby Allen. There's a sign that says, Save us, MJF. He tells the crowd, The devil is back. Says he's better than Moses. And you can tell yeah. it's way over. You, know? you remember what happened last time they went sacrilegious, though. Seems oh, like yeah. ever since then, <laughs> <laughs> things went downhill. Do not, don't recommend it. But nevertheless, <laughs> you can tell he's over. The crowd's hot and they're into it, you know. And as always, you're just waiting on the heel to drop. But uh, John Moxley enters the ring, tells him he's full you, of bullshit and that he needs to get out of the ring before he whoops his ass. MJF decides to go heel on Buffalo and takes his Josh Allen jersey off, proceeds to wipe his ass with it and throw it into the crowd. And, and then one thing I kind of noticed too was that he was cutting a heel promo, but saying it like a babyface to get the pops, like he was saying yeah. things. I didn't need to wrestle this match for the title. <laughs> Why? Because I have the token that gives me one match for the title whenever I damn well please. Oh, and by the way. Tony paid me a lot of money. And the way he said it was like, he's saying it like a face, but make no bones about it. <laughs> he's saying heel words. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you can just tell he's just so over with the crowd right now. I mean, he could have said whatever he wanted to. Even oh, though, yeah. I, I mean, he said he was the devil. 
I didn't notice when he took off the Josh Allen jersey and wiped his ass with it. The crowd turned real quick. They're like, all right, wait Very a minute, quick, partner. Yeah. Wait a minute. GP, though, man. It's GP. <laughs> Make fun of the hometown stuff, and everybody's going to turn against you. Uh, MJF uh, name drops Cody Rhodes as his hero. Says he wants to bring the t- AEW heavyweight title to a real company with a real owner. Quotes Triple H, and Moxley finally slaps him. Tells him the best thing he can do is get out of his ring. Uh, I mean, MJF starts acting tough like he's going to fight him and then powders out. Then Moxley. He looks shredded, though. He He looks shredded. And I like the whole shirt thing where he had to figure out a way to take the shirt off without looking like he's a dork. So he just fed into it. That was pretty good. He's so good. Good save. Um, Mike says that he's embarrassed and he's pissed off and says he doesn't care about the title. What he really cares about is what the what the belt stands for. And all around, it's a pretty good promo. Uh, apparently, rumors are that he himself, Daniel Bryan, and Chris Jericho weren't even supposed to be on the card. But after what happened at the media scrum that Tony called and was able to lure, lure him back onto the show. But uh, first match of the night, Death Triangle versus Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. What would you think? This is a fun match. Um, I, I can nitpick it to death. Like yeah. when old dude did the suicide dive off the stage and landed on everybody. And, and what's the one thing that Pentagon Jr. feels like he needs to do? I need to fix my glove. <laughs> that's the little things like that that always gets on my nerves because he's such a good character that you could make into something so much more than just a guy who doesn't speak very good English and needs Alex Reynolds to be with him. And he's not dark and he's not creepy, but he looks the way he does. So I don't know. I wish they would do the way that they did in Lucha Underground because he was just cool as hell and crazy and dark. And now they got him as kind of like a side version of the best friends like they're just really good high flyers that do really cool moves but they're jokey and hokey and they get the crowd into their matches by the way that they taunt and have catchphrases and i think they could be so much more than that but all that aside match was really fun and you really can't take anything away from the fact that it is what it is a fun match with really cool moves yeah, I thought the match was pretty good. It, I mean, in typical trio match style, it broke down, you know, three minutes into the match, and the referee just stood there while they all fought outside the ring. It didn't count at all, which is really a trend with AEW at this point where the referees are only there when they need to be, and they magically disappear when something is obviously going on right in front of them. Their heads are in the clouds. But, you know, Dan Housen entered and nut-punched Alex and then he eats a boot from Pack for his trouble. Uh, Lucha Brothers still don't seem to understand that once you tag, you're supposed to get out of the ring. As they stood in the <laughs> ring, for a, they stood in the ring for a good two minutes, you know, beating down Chuck Taylor, waiting on Chuck to get his comeback spot. And once again, the referee just stood there. And I know when Lucha Brothers first arrived in AEW, apparently they had a quite a few backstage meetings with other talent, you know, telling them, hey. This isn't, you know, this isn't Mexico. You have to make the tag and get out. You can't, we're not, not every match is a tornado tag, but nonetheless, fun match. Uh, you know, Pac hits his finisher on Trent. One, two, three. Death Triangle are your new trio champions. I, I still just, I don't see how far they're going to be able to take this trio championship. I mean, they're they're hard. It's hard enough getting their tag team titles over. 
to bring in an even bigger tag yeah, team title. Yeah. I don't know. Nevertheless, we'll see. Backstage, Tony's interviewing the Dark Orders. Uh, you were right. Alex Reynolds was hurt. I know you mentioned last episode someone was injured. Alex Reynolds apparently broke his foot. Andrade's mm. manager, Jose the assistant, offers 10 a contract to come work for him. Uh, he gets cut off by Evil Uno. Jose walks off, and just as he walks off, Andrade and Roosh enter the shot, which annoys the hell out of me because it just it just shows <laughs> you. Well, obviously, they were standing there the entire time, you know, but he says he wants to talk to 10, and John Silver and Rush have words. And they walk away and throw 10 a crutch. I I care about this as much as it sounds like I care about this. Um, you know, I hate again, it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> The only positive coming out of it is that, okay, they're splitting Dark Order up. Cool. Yeah, I mean, 10 is big as shit, so they can obviously. Yeah, he, he's definitely it. something to do somebody. Yeah, like you can do something with that guy, you know? So, next match Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian versus the interim champ. I love how they still throw the interim, though, as I previously yeah. mentioned, <laughs> Thunder Rosa, you know, wants her release, so. Well, but, uh, if it's to be believed, her husband says, hell no, she doesn't, and that's a lie, so much so that he's actually taking on ringside news and trying to tell them that they can go to hell. So, I mean, they're having a Twitter feud right now about that's a lie, but where is she at? Is she injured? Why does Conan say that she told him that she was injured with her back and it wound up being her knee? And is she actually, you know, there's so much questions about this to be saying, oh, y'all are lying about it. Y'all need to get your story straight. Exactly. But uh, this match, your typical piss break match, um, Penelope Ford, very green, Tony Storm, you know, wins with a chance roll up, which I thought was a real good way to make your new champion look very tough, <laughs> very convincing win when she sneaks in a roll up pin for one, two, three. Well, here's the thing about it. I actually like this match. I came into really? it thinking this is going to be terrible. I actually had low expectations for this match, but when they actually started getting it on, the kick out that she did of the move where she had to do a headstand and then a kick out where she flipped and then the front flip form to the turnbuckle. There was no bad moves in the match. And then all of a sudden, toward the end of it, Tony Storm goes to do the form in the corner or the European uppercut in the corner. And I'm wondering, Penelope Ford when she did that because all of a sudden the match ends with a random-looking DDT reversed out of, I don't know, Penelope Ford apparently does a Northern Light Suplex as a finisher. I didn't know that. But she reverses it into a DDT, and then the match just ends, and it almost looked like Tony Storm was like, okay, was that a three count? And, I mean, maybe that's how it was supposed to end, but if that is how it was supposed to end, nobody expected it, thought it was good. I don't know. It made it look very clunky. But leading up to it, I was very surprised. And I like the whole Kip Sabian box thing. I don't know why, but I dig it. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see Kip back. Hopefully they use him more than they did during his last run and definitely more than just Penelope Ford's, you know, man in the back. Right, um, and I've always said I like different, and <laughs> that's different. Yeah. So uh, after that, they show a video of Hook with Action Bronson challenging 2.0, and the only thought I had was who the hell wants to see this and what is <laughs> the Tony Khan. Tony Khan just comes across as that rich white dude who listens to rap, and so he wants to get to know like all the underground rappers. 
I've never heard of Action Bronson, and nothing about that guy screams like, oh, that's a tough guy right there. Oh, yeah, that big fat dude with the tattoos can throw hands. And there seems to be a steady stream of short, fat white dudes getting into the rap game on the <laughs> jelly roll. And so I, 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 don't, I don't get it. But go ahead. I actually do like some of his music. I only heard about him whenever Chance the Rapper had a song with him where he had like a pretty funny segment saying things like, I hope you end up working at a Fridays. It's always busy on Fridays and you never get off at fr- on Fridays. So like I, I liked some of his stuff before he is what he is now, which apparently is going to be a wrestler, but he's nowhere near a household name. And to pretend like we got action Bronson and people aren't sitting around like you going, who, who the hell is you know, that? So the acclaim enter, uh, immediately get cut off by Swerve right before the rap happens, which just solidifies that, you know, Swerve and our glory are in our heels, which is actually yeah. good to hear. They call out acclaim for their corny raps and the crowd chants that they want to hear the rap. Uh, you know, they start calling Swerve an asshole. Billy Gunn cuts him off and says it's no longer his house. It's daddy ass's house. Bowens announces a rematch for the title in two weeks at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I... Honestly, I think this is too quick. I would have liked to see them extend this to the next pay per view. I think the payoff would have been better if you're gonna put yeah. the if you're gonna put the title on them so early. Why didn't you just give it to them at the pay per view? But which is what I was afraid of in the beginning. Whenever I was saying that last week, no one I saw noticed, but Chris Jericho completely gave away the finish. Of I know. I the said match. the same thing. I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah. Says he can't wait to face Daniel Bryan <laughs> at uh, in next week, and I'm just sitting there thinking, um, you mean the winner? The you winner know he's gonna Bryan? Like, yeah, he magically knows. And I was halfway expecting the announcers to be like, oh, he's getting a little carried away there, and the match hasn't even happened yet. Nope, don't say anything. Just you know, segue right into the <laughs> to the next match, which is. Your TNT champion Warlow versus poor Tony Nice, and at this point, you have to wonder: is he is he really happy he left WWE? Yeah, they pretty much made him into a job guy. I mean, he's an enhancement talent, but he's Tony Nice. Like you could do a lot more with him. Just bring in some local talent if that's what you're gonna do. Very obvious. No, we're not taking this guy seriously. Which it, I mean, it's, it pisses me off because not only does he have a good look, he's good on the mic. You know, he can actually perform in the ring. But unlike in WWE, he's one of your bigger guys, you know. From yeah, the he's not tall, line. but he's definitely, yeah. yeah, he's like Pac. Exactly. So he can actually get in the ring with someone like an Orange Cassidy or Pac or, you know, Kenny Omega and look like he belongs as opposed to, you know, unfortunately being in WWE where he's immediately got chucked into the 205 lineup. But yeah. And you see the main event, and they're not anywhere near the size he is. And exactly. They don't belong. <laughs> they belong in the main event, but he doesn't. One thing, it is funny, uh, Wardlow asking if they're going to play his music on his way out there. I'm like, it's nice to know what he really cares about. Not worried about beating this guy's ass. <laughs> is that what he did? Is that what he his did. motion he, was? Oh, he turned nice. around and looked on his way walking up the stairs and said, hey, y'all going to play my music? And then he got up the stairs and turned around like, hey, y'all. And then the music started playing. And I was like, come on, buddy. Like, you're it's supposed green. to be a killer. You really, yeah. You're really that concerned about your entrance, you know? But And we love the guy. But when you see stuff like yeah, that, yeah. it opens your eyes up. That It's supposed to be all elite, not some elite. Exactly. And obvious, he goes in, kicks the shit out of Tony Nese. One, two, three. 
goes to powerbomb uh, Mark Sterling, but he's saved by Josh Woods, who apparently is a former ROH champ. Which Yeah, I, I think he was an MMA guy, too. I guess we're supposed to care. But Warlow gets on the mic and announces he's sick and tired of seeing people talk shit online and that proclaims this is Warlow's world, which... He's I talking about wish, us, bro. <laughs> we really talking about us. I wish somebody would uh, tell them that Warlow's world sounds silly as shit. Sounds yeah, like Waldo's world. But uh, right after, Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page. What'd you think? This match was amazing, all the way up to the obvious finish that they always do, which is, this isn't a pay-per-view, so just roll him up. Exactly. So, after Chris Jericho gave away who was going to win, I was just constantly waiting for the roll-up to see how it was going to happen. And then to see Hangman Page go for his finisher, I was like, oh, well, maybe he's going to reverse this. No, it's just going to be a no-counter roll. One, two, three. Yeah. It was a very long stare-off. There were some cowboy shit chants. One thing I do want to add, I don't know if you noticed, but in the lower corner, they showed an ad for AEW's video game claiming that it, it, it won the best sports game. It, I guess some random online outlet announced it was the best sports game, even though it's not out yet. And from what I've seen, that video game looks very janky. <laughs> yeah, so, I saw a video the Big Show was playing it, and it's like, is this really what you want to put out there? Because this, yeah. this looks like uh, it's still in development. Exactly, and considering they've spent multiple millions of dollars on it at this point, and... Yeah, I was. It just, I don't know why that ad stuck out. Like, really, it's the best sports game already, but okay. But, um, yeah, it's yeah, a it sports very, game that nobody's seen. Yeah, it was a very physical match, very slow moving. It felt like these guys were wrestling in quicksand at some points. They go to the outside, fantastic looking drop kick from Danielson to a uh, hangman. Once again, the referee not counting, just letting it go. Uh, yeah. beautiful. Beautiful hangman, uh, atomic backflip suplex. Um, sets up for the buckshot, but Brian Danielson rolls out. Hangman gives Daniel a kick of his own outside. Then they do a, the good old woo chop spot, which I hate because it's just like, okay, <laughs> let's stand here and let the other guy hit us. Because you see that, you see that all the time in boxing, UFC. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, they just stood in the ring, just let each other punch him in the face, you know. Uh, beautiful sit-down powerbomb spot, followed by... Lovely, lovely powerbomb. This is awesome chant, which, you know, anytime a match it goes longer than 10 minutes in AEW, it immediately gets a this is awesome chant from the crowd. Yeah, um, yeah. Brian Danielson hits his knee, but Hangman rolls out. Yeah, good on you. He's a fortune teller. Exactly. Uh, after this uh, Jungle Boy video where he talks about when Cage gets finished with his surgery that, you know, they're going to have a fight. And so I guess that just shows that I guess Cage was really injured. So he calls out Luchasaurus, says, calls him an anchor that was waning down this entire time. So I guess we'll get to look forward to that for the next three months of seeing them jump one another. After this, Stokely Hathaway comes out with his crew, who's the Ass Boys. Morrissey, Ethan Page, and Lee Moriarty is apparently without MJF. <laughs> Minus MJF doesn't explain why. No, why would we? He does say he's the greatest, greatest uh, t- uh, ladder champion of all time. So I was like, okay. <laughs> well, at least he admitted he won, right? Uh, for whatever reason, some enhancement talent pretending to be a ring crew member tries to cut him off. Stokely Lee says, you respect me like I'm your father. Smacks him in the face, and they proceed to beat down this poor, hapless ring ring crew member. Uh, after this, the ROH championship announced between Claudio and Dax. 
I mean, I'm looking forward to the match, but randomness thrown together without explanation again, right? And once again, it just proves what I said on our last podcast, which is, are they just trying to make Dax a solo act? Because I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You did say yeah. that. Which case, we all know how that's going to end. Obviously, they're not going to have Claudio losing, you know, a few months after he makes his triumphant return. But you don't think so? <laughs> no, I, I don't. <laughs> Dax already has two tag team belts. He barely defends. Do we really? You know, they're going to give him another championship to not. Defend? How much? How much are they burying the champion though? When they're like, you can wrestle on Rampage, but today the main event's going to be the Pure Championship, which isn't even the ROH Heavyweight Championship. No. <laughs> okay. No mention of Samoa Joe at all. So, and uh, last but not least, Wheeler Yuta versus Daniel Garcia for the Pure Championship. Now, I will say I was happy to hear them actually explain the rules. They explained how, you know, you can still lose the title if you get dis- disqualified. How you only have a limited amount of rope breaks. That I was, I was very pleased. Uh, no punches to the face. You know that I was very pleased with the making kind of setting that disclaimer for the audience as to what makes this title special and what sets this match aside from any other match. But uh, West Side Gun wraps out Daniel Garcia and just continuing the trend of rappers I have never heard of coming out <laughs> and singing for wrestlers. Uh, the crowd's dead. They try to get multiple chants going, but none of them pick up. Uh, it's your typical match for these guys. I don't know. What would you think? Well, I'm glad you explained that they explained what the rules of the match were because in order for the match to take place under pure rules, you're supposed to shake hands before the match starts or else it's null and voided. So I wonder if they're going to dig into that next week or on ROH because I hope I never see these people on AEW ever again. But maybe they're going to explain that, oh, you didn't actually win the championship. It's now going to be vacant and – you didn't shake my hand before the match started. Maybe that'll be something. But uh, you really want to know what I thought about this match? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, Garcia's interest music started, and I was thinking, oh, somebody else has got new interest music. Because I remember Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends had new interest music, and I kind of dug it. So when I heard this one, it's got something cool going on. And then the parody rapper walked out. And... Then Daniel Garcia walked out with knee pads, so there's a plus. And when the match started, I was ap- I was very happy to see that Daniel Garcia actually was showing some intensity in his moves because he wasn't actually just being his normal garbage self until the suplex spot happened where they decided, let's do 50 fucking suplexes. And the audience was dead this entire time. I mean, this is Garcia's hometown, and just look at the crowd through the most extreme part of it, which was all the suplexes and the turnbuckle stomp spot, the crowd's just sitting on their hands. The only people that were into it was the judges, who were supposed to be because they're paid to be there. And I just hated everything about this match. And I kind of messed up when I was talking on Twitter. I said that uh, apparently Tony Schiavone said, and Daniel Garcia beats Willer Yuta in his hometown. And I was thinking, Willer Yuta's hometown? But... Apparently it wasn't, and obviously when I watch it again, you can tell it's a hometown build for Garcia, but the hometown really didn't care. The biggest pop of the night was when the match finally ended. And uh, I don't know. I think it was terrible, and I don't see any build in this, and I'm hoping that these guys go strictly to ROH and that they're only on ROH because why did they main event AEW? They're not AEW. The championship is not AEW. 
And the guy who holds a bigger title in ROH, which you've already mentioned, Samoa Joe, neither one of the guys that hold a better titles in ROH even got to showcase it on the main event of AEW. So, I don't know. I hated everything about this. And you can really tell the suspensions hurt the show. And you can really tell who who the movers and the shakers are in the organization. Um, yeah, when they announced this as the, the grand finale of the night, it, I mean, it really took the air, at least at least out of me. I was, you know, it's, it's just hard to get excited. And we're not taking anything away from these guys. I mean, they're they're great wrestlers. But let's just be for real here. The wrestling of a title that, unless you are a diehard ROH fan, which, you know, I hate to let everybody know this, that company went out of business. There's a reason for that. Okay? Like, yeah. you're you're trying to bring it, you're trying to make it seem more important, which is okay. But for guys like you and I, who really didn't watch ROH all that much, it really doesn't right. mean anything. We watched it at the time that the guys who were the elite Exactly. Now in AEW. Exactly. But so they're trying to tell the story of, you know, Willer Yuta. He wasn't going to use his rope breaks. And, you know, it ended up costing him in the end. Is He slapped on the sharpshooter. And well, speaking of slaps, how'd you like the little bitch slap segment they have where he looked like he was catfighting? Oh, yeah. A little yay boo spot that they have to have. In every <laughs> I don't know. Them slaps look weak as hell. Daniel Garcia slaps on the sharpshooter. Willer Yuta tries to get him in a neck crank. Very convincing that crank. I will give him that, but in the end, it's too much for him, and he taps out. So Daniel Garcia is your new pure champion of ROH in AEW. I did see them shake hands <laughs> after the match, which makes me think, you know, that was their way of backtracking, solidifying that. Oh, hey, you know, we did shake hands. Uh, in the end, Brian you know, Brian Danielson walks out and. She yanks the title from Daniel Garcia and slaps it on him and holds his hand up as Chris Jericho walks out and has a face like, what? As if the last three weeks have not happened and Daniel Garcia <laughs> hasn't been showing that, you know, he really wants to be a respectful wrestler. So, Well, at least that's a continuation of a story. AEW's not been doing that very well. And at least this is a story that's continued to be told that has some kind of sense of it. And as much as we trash these two guys, we still love their intensity. These guys actually do know what they're doing in the ring. They don't ever do anything that you you go, well, that was a terrible move. It's just fix the bad stuff. Well, it's, you know, it's you, someone gave you a vanilla ice cream for dessert. It's still dessert, but, you know, yeah, it's also yeah, chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so there it is. There's your dynamite, AEW dynamite. Uh, for this past Wednesday, all in all, a very forgettable show. Um, as we mentioned, the suspensions really hurt the hurt the show. Yeah, um, I'm worried about what happens to MJF now that CM Punk is going to be out for a while. Part of the excitement following MJF's return was that you'd finally get to see him, you know, go over, win that championship. Uh, from the looks of it. Uh, it's you know, see they're going to be Chris Jericho or John Moxley with MJF facing champion. Uh, only problem is MJF's already faced Chris Jericho, so yeah, it looks like it's got to be John Moxley, Moxley though, huh? Yeah. I mean, they already started that with the beginning, so it's exactly. kind of like a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, going with the whole storyline we were talking about, the ending of the main event being what it was. Apparently, they're still telling the story on Dark or somewhere on their AEW televised stuff that's on YouTube. The Will Hobbs and Starks thing, then I mm -hmm. thought that that was a pretty much 
gone concluded thing because of how quick he beat him and what fashion he beat Starks in. They could have put that on the main event and it would have been better to me. They had they fought on dark. Uh, something was happening with Stark. I didn't see what it was, but apparently in the middle of his match, he got jumped by Hobbs. If they're still continuing that storyline, I would have liked to have seen that actually play out on AEW's Dynamite as a main event. At least build up the two stars that are your homegrown talent that you're trying to build. That's not ROH. Well, it was very important that we watched Penelope Ford and Tony Storm wrestle because if not, <laughs> if not, the blue check mafia would have came for Tony Khan and we can't have that. We have to have our obligatory women's match, even if the match is shitty and no one cares. But here we are nonetheless. But this has been your review. Uh, please give us a like and follow. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. If you'd like to ask us a question, you can do so at Spot show podcast at gmail.com. But I'm Ryan Matthews for Pat 